Yeah, no, that's that, that, so done a great job. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, all the independent pubs closing down and some reopening. And uh, yeah, you so, know, because to me, the independent pubs are the heart of the community. The Weatherspoons and that are okay. Yeah, but it's the independent pubs like you've got down there, the West End, yeah. Queen of the West, Queen of the West, yeah. Uh, and they put events on, and it's yeah. a thriving arts community, really. With, Different stuff. That the cycle have. of most cities, though, isn't it? Is, is they do a lot of development. It attracts big business. Then mm-hmm. the big businesses leave, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of independents show up and do a load of stuff, and then yeah. that falls to the wayside. Th- you ready to go, Ron? Yeah, I'm ready to rock and roll. Welcome back. Right, thank you very much. (laughs) Well, it was very interesting, the last one. I mean, the hour went by so quickly. Yeah, you are Uh, still the most viewed video I I I haven't looked recently. um, Whenever I tally the kind of, like, podcasts which have been viewed, yours sits itself because you've got over 500 views. Really? Yeah. Good grief! It's, it's it's insane, and that's just YouTube. That's so that yeah. doesn't include iTunes or anywhere else which I post. Well, it. I can't explain that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know I briefly spoke last time about law of attraction, yeah, and the power of intention and putting your thoughts out there because everything in the universe is based on energy. Yep. Uh, so if you put your good energy out and like that, I just remember looking on uh, yelling for concrete. And the two most viewed ones at that time were Nathan Dean and my nephew, Nathan. Yeah, you and, <laughs> so, you and uh, Nathan Hall, just yeah, holding the top spots for ages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he was a bit disappointed because he came on a second time uh, with our friend Sean and they discussed wrestling because mm-hmm. they're both really um, into yeah. wrestling. Um, and he didn't do as well. <laughs> well, you, you can't say. I mean, when you go on and do these things, I've never <clears throat> had any... Big ego thoughts about wanting to beat yeah. somebody, but I just looked at those, and Nathan kept saying about as long as you don't beat mine. So <laughs> I just kept sharing the yeah. uh, thing with people, yeah. uh, and I'm lucky that I've got lots of Facebook friends here and in the uh, abroad. Yeah. And no, I was I was just amazed. I thought maybe it might get to a hundred or whatever. I mean, there's a nice symmetry to this as well. So the last episode you were on. I can't remember the number, but it was either 49 or 50. Mm-hmm. It was close. This is episode 99. Wow. So the next one yeah, will be 100. Well, yeah, there's um, So we're, we're nice. Every 50 episodes, I've got to bring you back. <laughs> 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 we'll just keep that rolling. <laughs> yeah, no, I had lots of positive reports yeah. from it. Um, and, of course, at that time, we was given a brief history about the poetry scene. Yep. And that's kind of settled down now because really we only have like three open mics now. Yeah. Because the Poetry Green Room was handed over by Gemma to Sophie Lavender Mm -hmm. and she's now renamed it Emerald. And she's made it, it was always open to everybody, but now it's including anybody and everybody with comedy or whatever okay so it's more uh, like a full-on yeah. open mic jolly brewery is still going even though the pub closed down for a week and then <laughs> jolly brewery has gone through a, a nice uh, cycle <laughs> and they were finding it difficult to find somewhere else to yeah. be able to do it so now it's opened up again yep. and i understand that it's going to be open for at least a year that's my understanding. Uh, yeah, because the new owner wants to do the flats up. I assume he wants to make a couple more out of what's up there. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's six big flats upstairs. Uh, it's a strange building. Yeah, well, it dates back quite... Yeah, away. I had um, a couple of friends used to live in the, the flats next door because there's that building which kind of cups onto the end of the road. And I remember going in there and I didn't realise there was a courtyard. Mm-hmm. in the middle of it and it was just this huge domineering block yes. of courtyard and it's just so strangely laid out as a building yeah but it is old <laughs> so. yeah and of course the jolly brewer has been a creative hub for many years for yeah. many people because there wasn't available at that time what we've got now 
at yeah. different pubs. So people can pick and choose. Uh, I mean, I feel blessed that I set my event up at the Birdcage. Yes, which of course Ra- is still going. Uh, fabulous. I yeah. mean, Rachel and Chris, well, it's mainly Rachel. She is the face of the Birdcage and runs the Birdcage. And she puts her heart and soul into it and tries to get as many different events on so that you can be inclusive of anybody and everybody. We now have a, uh, an event called Quail, which Quail. is Queer, Queer Arts in Lincoln. Okay. And um, that's run by Lewis Button, who's related to Sophie Lavender. And it's, it, even though it's an LGBT event, it yeah. is open for everybody to go along. Yeah. It's just what they came up with. Just their main. And program. then they have their main music nights, they have Uncaged, uh, my spoken word night, and uh, comedy nights. Yeah. Uh, they do do some ticketed events. And talking about comedy, mm-hmm. <laughs> of all things that it'd be about four or five months ago now, I took part in a comedy workshop. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I don't, you know Paul Mutigatia. He's one of those names which pops yeah, up. Yeah, well, he, he's a local comedian. Okay. He, he organises lots of these things yep. uh, locally. And he said to me, why don't you take part in a comedy workshop? I thought, I only say random things funnily if uh, I've had a bit to drink. <laughs> That is the key to comedy. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, he said, well, it's good to do you out of something out of your comfort zone. And I remember that in the interview I did here last time, I think I ended about doing things out of your comfort zone. So I went in for it. It was over two hours each Monday for three Mondays. workshop. And on the last one, the following night, we did a showcase finale in the birdcage and I made lots of great friends there, you know, really nice people but it's interesting how you actually manage to construct a sketch together Okay. because the first time we went there it was like Paul said, get up in front of the mic, just improv stuff or just say whatever and for some of the people who hadn't been used to getting up into a mic it was getting them into that comfort zone of doing it. Uh, So we did that, and then we were making stuff up on the first night, but then by uh, the second Monday, we had to come back with bits of scripts and things like that. And uh, Gina Overton, uh, who's a partner in crime with uh, uh, Paul Mortigation on the comedy circuit, she did a load of observations, and uh, she said, I'll create a group chat that we can and put it all on there. And it was interesting to see what she'd put down about everybody. Yeah. And for me, she said, you're a bit of a raconteur. You obviously like to be up in front of a microphone. and uh, But I'm a bit too wordy. Okay. Because with comedy, you've got to condense it down yeah, a lot. Yeah, it has to be very punchline. And punch quickly line. get yeah. to the... Yeah, punchline, exactly. Uh, and then I had done a joke there that night, uh, and she said to me, <laughs> circled it, said, and don't do the joke about the dog fucks a pig, <laughs> you weirdo, <laughs> things like that. So uh, I messaged Paul about that. I mean, overall it was quite good. She just yeah. wanted me to condense it down. And Paul said, why not work that into your script? Yeah. You know, you've been banned from doing a joke. Can't do (laughs) So, when it came to the third Monday and we were trying to finalise scripts, uh, again, because we did it in the workshop in front of everybody, and it just didn't feel right. But I was getting there and, I mean, they were kind of happy with it. But on the day of the showcase finale, which was the following day, I kept looking at it. I thought, no, I've got to chop some of this out. And uh, I I had a big sequence about Spider. But part of it I wasn't happy with because it wasn't drawing you into it. Okay, yeah. And then 
I was just I was just sat watching telly and the one thing that caught my ears is these words vaginal dryness. Okay. Because there's a part in the script where I get distracted and I eat this the pet spiders right. sort of thing. <laughs> so I I incorporated all that into the script yeah. and made out that I was watching TV. Uh, the spider was on the side and I like Oreo biscuits, reaching out for the Oreo biscuits, watching TV, mug of coffee in the left hand and uh, hearing those words, vaginal dryness, and the word vagina several times. I didn't realise I'd picked up Boris the spider and his little legs <laughs> wriggling about. So I dipped him in the coffee and ate him. Uh, that was part of a build-up script. To being a phobia about yeah. spiders. How did you how did you find doing scripts compared to poetry? Because I my, my background was film and photography, mm-hmm. and I I always find when I try to do anything poetry or spoken yeah. word, it always ends up as a bit of a monologue. Yeah, in it because I'm so used to writing scripts and dialogue yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Well, Gina said to me for me to think of it like a poem. Okay, yeah, you know, and and just condense it get to the main crooks of the point, yeah. draw your audience in. Because the bit I was talking about where I'd been banned yeah. from telling a joke, when I went on uh, on the showcase finale, I came on and I said, oh, if I look a bit nervous and stressed out, yeah. it's because my sister had been in hospital and I had to tell a joke about that. Mm-hmm. And also... I've been banned from telling my... Uh, no, I said, some bitch. <laughs> no, Gina Overton has banned me from telling one of my jokes. And then I went to encourage the crowd. Yeah. I guess you all want to know what it's about now. And they all go, yes. I said, well, all I can tell you is it's about a girl, a dog and a pig. <laughs> but then the, the whole routine with different bits in was about 10 minutes. Yeah. And uh, they'd been telling me about what you call callbacks. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so when I got to the end, after I'd done the main spider sketch, uh, I then say, well, I was meant to finish on the joke about a girl, a dog and a pig, but I've been banned from doing it. Yeah. But I've had to come up with something new. And it, it was a totally different joke. Yeah. But it starts off exactly. a man, a dog, and a pig. <laughs> but I could hear in the audience it connected with people, yeah. and you know, so it was good. And I've done a few open mics since then. Yeah, you, you still writing your poetry then? I am. Uh, oh yes, yeah. No, I still do. I haven't written as much lately. Yeah, uh, because as you know, my wife's got multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. She was uh, went into hospital in March on a blue light. Um, thought she was nearly gone. Uh, she spent two weeks there. NHS, I hear people moan about them, but I can't fault what they did. Yeah. And she came out, and, yeah. but very fragile and everything. And then, uh, what is it now? Um, nearly ten weeks ago, she went into hospital again. Mm. Not on a blue light, but because the nurse didn't like the way she looked, yeah. got the doctor in, and they arranged to go into EAU. And she ended up being five weeks in hospital, mm-hmm. and now, under discussion with social services, yeah. uh, she's in a care home at the minute because she still needs 24 hours continuing care. Yeah. And they felt it would be a bit too much at home yeah. even though we did have carers coming in in the daytime yeah so your mind isn't in the right place to do it no so the one thing i really concentrated on was just being the compare for uncaged yeah. and maybe reading some of my poems just to warm the evening up yeah it's yeah. not everybody wants to go first no i think it's, it's kind of impressive that you, you still have the energy to keep comparing. Well, um, <laughs> I, I kind of created uh, the persona with bright shirts. Yes. 
And now I mean, the shirts stand out. Everyone <laughs> know what you're going <laughs> Well, if I go out now and I haven't got a bright shirt on, yeah. people are disappointed. So I think every I kind of I wait for whenever I'm on Facebook and I scroll through, and there's always a picture of you with some is random it? person <laughs> in a big bright shirt. And I'm like, this yeah. is why I need to. I dress in black constantly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, it, 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 I guess what it is, people remember Uncaged because. Um, September, yeah. we had Gemma Baker as the special guest, yeah. and we had roughly 60-odd people there, and um, people came from Manchester, Peterborough, and uh, yeah. those places, so I had a new shirt for the occasion, and also I think since the last time I saw you, I now have a th- opening theme tune. Okay. Right. I yeah. went to see The Greatest Showman. Yes, yeah. And the opening song, The Greatest Showman, Mm -hmm. the first minute is this just people making vocal harmonies uh, and it builds to a big crescendo and then um, you get the voice come on, ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome, Uh, you know... no, I've got that wrong. <laughs> you have to... <laughs> on the night, you yep. get all buzzed up. Yep. No, it, it starts off, ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for. And he says all the bits, but I go, good evening and welcome to One Cage at the Birdcage. So they know now, and I, I only do the first 55 seconds, yep. and I speak those words. But people know that... Um, that is the big yeah. moment, and uh, it's a moment to gym up as well because people go yeah. there; they've been sat talking, drinking, and so if they go, oh yeah, like that, no, a bit more, you know, we want, and then I, I I open up with maybe a couple of poems, but if there's a lot of people there, yeah. then it's not for me to do it. I try and get somebody else, try and get to as many other people, yeah, to get yeah. people in. I do find it's kind of interesting when well, you mentioning getting kind of getting the audience going. And I think you see that a lot with like comedy actors and, and whatnot, where they they work so hard to get the audience in the right mood. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you go to like a lot of art events and theatre events, yeah, you don't get much audience interaction because you're meant to study what's on stage. Yeah. Whereas with like an open mic, you do there is that balance of mm-hmm. needing to kind of get them on your side or at least in the mood to actually be there and do things. And, yeah, and whatnot. I, I think I don't know, I don't know whether you can actually teach that or whether that's just your natural personality. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's something I've learnt over a period of time because yeah. Gemma and I did go to an awful lot of spoken word events out of Lincoln. Yeah, and you see a mix of stuff. Some of it is a bit samey, and it is like people going there. You're just observing and that. Yeah. But then uh, went to one at Nottingham. It's near the Market Square. I can't remember the name of the pub, but it's uh, it's a bit like the Green Dragon with the old... Okay, yeah. And you go down an alleyway to a room upstairs. Yeah. And it's run by a guy called Miggy Angel. Okay. And very unassuming guy, like yourself. He's got a beard and whatever, yeah. but he has a presence about him. And he came on slowly into... But he, he seemed to build the audience up. Yeah. And, we, and so I remembered that. Then I remembered the other ones where, you know, they would just have something about them that was different. So I guess that's where the shirts come from. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find kind of the the reason, I mean, I guess not the reason, but one of the reasons, is it more like keeping your, your open mic nights and stuff going and everything? Is it more the want to kind of encourage community or yeah. kind of get yourself out there as well. No, definitely it's yeah. community. <clears throat> I mean, as a compare, you have to be a little bit more exuberant don't yeah. you, to get across. But it was always the intention of when I started about the community of it. Yeah. And I guess over a period of time and the fact that I get people that come from different areas yeah. and I say, how did you know about it? Oh, so-and-so told me they'd been. And we're welcoming to everybody whether you're a consummate performer mm-hmm. or it's your first time. And I've generally tried to note down uh, how many newbies we get. Yeah. And usually there's about four or five newbies every month. Yeah. 
I think uh, no. last time you were here, you were reaching an anniversary of it, or you just had an anniversary. Oh, uh, yeah, it was going to come up to. Yeah. Um, was it the two year anniversary? Something like that. Something yeah. Like that. Do you think you've seen? I guess with having new people come, mm-hmm. do you think your audience has changed from what it was about a year ago, or do you think it's about the same kind of people or style of people or? Yeah, it has changed to a certain degree. Yes, yeah. I mean, on particularly on the last two, uh, a good forty-five percent of the audience I'd never seen before. Yeah, and you, you, I always at the beginning of the night think, "Oh gosh, this is going to be the night where nobody turns up." The, you know, because yeah. I've been lucky from day one. I mean, day one again out of curiosity, but we had it was run packed about seventy people. Yeah. Uh, and then it gradually tailored off to around about 30-ish and, you know, th- between 30 and 50 and so on like that. Yeah. Um, so what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Whether you think your audience has changed? Like, Oh, yeah, 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 no, they definitely yeah. have changed, yeah. yes. I mean, a lot of people that we had that came regular yeah. have now either gone off to do different things or moved away from the city. Yeah. Uh, but they still obviously spread the word because I have people who turn up from Sleaford, Boston, yeah. uh, Grantham, and as I say, as far away as Manchester and Peterborough. So, yeah, it has changed, yeah. and it's a good thing to have different people every month. You you get those that will go on a regular basis. Yeah. Not everybody can get every month, but you see how it turns. And you, you, I always think to myself, if they all turned up on one night, we wouldn't be, yeah. able, to, <laughs> wouldn't be able to get them in. If everyone who'd been once yeah. suddenly turned up. Uh, but on the last one, uh, well, the last few, I came across this girl called Harriet. Right. Nathan knows her. Okay. He brought her to the um, last... Jolly Brewer one before it closed down. The last one. Yeah, <laughs> even though it's open again now. And very sweet, delicate girl. Yeah. Uh, she was talking about in uh, what she'd written uh, about her problems with having eating disorder mm-hmm. and wanting to self harm. Mm-hmm. And it was quite a long piece, but yeah. I was so impressed by it. Mentioned on Cage, as I do to everybody. As you do. <laughs> uh, and surprisingly, she turned up the following month. Yeah. And we had a... F- oh, yeah, and that was the month when Gemma was on. So she had a big audience and went down a storm. That's great. No, I find it... I always find it's interesting to see how, in a way, self-aware people are when they run events or do things in the city. Because mm-hmm. like I was saying with Nathan, we the first podcast we ever did was discussing the art scene in Lincoln and how it has this weird cycle of disappearing and then popping out and then disappearing mm-hmm. and popping out. Nothing really persists to, for such a long time. Um, whereas with like an event or a night or a nightclub or anything like that, they tend to have to change with their audience Mm -hmm. because their audience is usually students. So it goes round and round. There's always a new trend and that kind of thing. And I know when I do things, I, I always go against the audience. I'm always sat there going, well, the audience wants this. So I'm clearly never going to do that. You know, we could edit these podcasts down, but I'm never going to do that (laughs) because I I like to abuse the audience. Um, Whereas with like yours, obviously it's a community event. Mm -hmm. Do you find you have to alter kind of, bits and bobs of about how you're doing it or do you just no it's kind of got its own template now yeah. the format as i say with the opening music i always meet and greet people at yeah. the door or as they're coming in <clears throat> i guess that might be a little bit different from how some people do it you know i don't just go up to somebody ram a pen in the face with a piece <laughs> of paper or oh, do you want to take part yeah, yeah. i go up i shake their hand if i haven't seen them before or if it's people i know very well i give them a big hug and yeah. just meet and greet and you know would you like to go on would you like to do a bit and then you come across those who have come to observe, but they have got a book in their bag or okay, pocket. Yeah, yeah. And they <laughs> the say, well, <laughs> yeah, I'll, see, I'll see how the night goes. Yeah. And uh, But, yeah, no, we always get a lot of good people. Yeah. And I guess people keep going back because hopefully they feel welcome. Yeah. 
I think that's that's an important part of any community, and yeah. then it's just that yeah. feeling of welcomeness. Yeah, that thing. Do you do you still get get out to other events outside the city? Like, uh, I haven't been as much. I did go to one at Nottingham. Um, it was called Verses and something, and it was really good. They uh, had it um, uh, at a pub called the Lord Nelson there. Okay. Uh, but with my wife having been really yeah. unwell, uh, I haven't travelled as much. But I would love to, yeah. and I'd love to do like we used to do, uh, go on a road trip. I mean, Gemma nicknamed my car the Ronmobile, so we get people in and yeah. we go on a trip. Uh, but I'd love to do that again, but it, it's difficult if you're doing any distance and I need carers in. Yeah, yeah. Mind you, she's in the care home at the minute, so... You know, maybe I'll see if I can fit something in. I do find it's it's always good to kind of see other things in other cities. Um, obviously, I've just been on holiday uh, to Canada for ten days, mm-hmm. um, so I tried to get to a few kind of art, like art events going around the cities and whatnot. Is is I went to the Zine Fair there and yeah. seeing just I guess seeing how different communities develop. Essentially, I know within the UK everything art-wise tends to be quite independent, tends to be quite um, informal. There'll be people who are doing it just for just for the expression, essentially. Whereas most of the events I went to were quite organised, mm-hmm. usually owned by businesses or um, organisations and that kind of thing. And everything was very, very much aimed towards making money to, yeah. to an extent and getting their names out there and that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's just... Maybe that that area of Canada I was in, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's just a UK thing. Well, <laughs> I think here, you know, Susie Maggie-Aldridge, yep. uh, and she's into zines in mm-hmm. a big way. And I think there's a zine fest coming up at the mansions of yeah, that's on Saturday. I'm yeah. going to be there. Oh great! Yeah, with my suitcase as uh, usual. Oh, oh, with your with your own. Yeah. Is that Potato Man? Or, I don't know, that's Potato Man. He not- <laughs> um, he's not there. Well, he is there, but he isn't. That's right. with um, Null Point. So yeah. Null Point's the the zine I make. Uh, yeah. um, which I guess is kind of it's open, an open mic zine essentially yeah. because I accept submissions from everybody. Yeah. Um, but it's all anonymous. So you, you remove all the names and whatnot. It's just the artwork yeah. has to stand on its own legs. But I, I think we have more of an independent one. Yeah. I haven't seen really many organised ones that would involve publishers and things yeah. like that. I've been to... I went to one in Sheffield and I yeah. went to one in York. The one in York was very independent. It was very um, small, independent, singular people. Most of the, the, the zines you could buy were about 50p. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the one in Sheffield had actual publishers, people who kind of done their self-publishing thing and yeah. printed books and stacks of it and whatnot. So it's always, I, I kind of know. I never, I never know which I prefer, in a way. Because yeah. I, I end up in a lot of galleries looking at my work, and I like big galleries and the ones who can afford to have all the big work. But at the same time, there's there's something really nice about seeing yeah. kind of smaller works in a way, mm-hmm. um, which I, I don't know, they would drop off in big galleries and whatnot. Do you think you'd ever take Birkage to be bigger, like to a, a less for, informal <coughs> stage? Or? No, but the, uh, an idea that I have got, uh, I think the birdcage is, uh, is ideal for the birdcage. Yeah. People love it because it's a, a real pub, as people call it, yeah. and Rachel and the staff make everybody welcome, so it, it, it it's just encompassed in what it says, and it's got its own vibe. I don't think it would be good to move it and yeah. make it bigger, but I have an, I had an idea to do another event, but it would be a ticketed event and probably somewhere bigger, and probably get name people off the circuit. They would obviously have to be paid. Mm-hmm. And it would be, like, maybe two poets mm-hmm. and a singer. So you would have one poet who is, like, coming up, maybe locally or further afield, and they would do 30 minutes, uh, and then we would have a break, and then we would have the singer on who would do... 30, 40 minutes, yeah. another break, and then an established uh, person who was on the 
poetry scene basically making their living mm-hmm. out of going to different events. Uh, and one of those people is, uh, her name's Toria Garber, okay. and for the last two years and a bit she's been supporting John Cooper Clark. Oh, wow. So yeah. if we could get people like that, yeah. and she's been to the engine show. And because Gemma and I, we met her when we met up with a, a group when we first started called the Firma Poets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I told you about it last time. Yeah. And we was inspired by them, so we became friends. And she said, you know, mates, right? So yeah. <laughs> hopefully we, we could try it. We, we would have to try it and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. And it might evolve. I've got a name for it, but I don't want to give the name out on air because somebody (laughs) might mick it. (laughs) Well, you know it is until you get the event going. Uh, But (laughs) but it is quite a cut. I'll tell you off here. I've had a very similar problem um, in the last year or so. So essentially this year I had a huge idea. Mm -hmm. I had a big idea and I was like, I need to do this. I need to do it because I turned 30 in about three weeks right. and I was like I need to do it from 30 that, that's like the, the deadline um, and I haven't been able to put it together but every time I kind of talk to anyone about it in my back of my mind I'm like oh but what if someone takes the idea what if they steal <laughs> the idea of, of what I want to do and they run away with it yeah um, so it is uh, I mean the long show is I want to put on an open exhibition for yeah. visual art within Lincoln um, and just kind of run it in the same way I do is no point and take open submissions and allow everyone to submit but yeah. not charge any entry fees or anything like that. Kind of funded mm-hmm. myself. Uh, but every time I talk about it, I'm like, oh, what if someone comes along? <laughs> They're just like, oh, well, we could do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I think because I had the idea in the middle of summer, and there yeah. was a, a, during summer we had quite a boom in, in art stuff. Yeah. And, um, obviously the point opened up with Gemma and yeah. um, quite a few events just kind of kicked off. <laughs> I was just looking at it like, oh, someone might steal my idea. Yeah, <laughs> but now the mansions of the future are there. You yeah, could, you could do something there. There's a few, you know. few bits and bobs. I think that my my problem with Lincoln, well, my problem with Lincoln, my problem with Lincoln art scene is that a lot of bigger institutions kind of control the yeah. visual art scene, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I know, with like open mics and stuff, you can kind of do it anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere you can sit, people, you're good to go. Um, but with like a gallery event or anything like that, mm-hmm. you're very limited on space yeah. because you have to have somewhere you can just hold artwork mm-hmm. and, and not interfere with anything else. And, that can, and I know with Frequency kicks off in a couple of weeks, the Digital Arts Festival, um, they do a lot with like pop-up locations. Mm-hmm. And I think it'd be great if Lincoln did more of that kind of thing. It'd be more kind of pushing towards... Again, I, I think that changes with the audience as well. I think Lincoln's audience in the last maybe six years or so has gotten younger and younger because of the students coming in and because of people leaving the city just due to economics and and whatnot. Um, But I don't feel like anyone caters for them in terms of visual art anyway. (laughs) No, no, they don't. Surprisingly, the university don't. Or when they do put on events, I find the one thing that they're very bad at is promoting it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, there's been there's been exhibitions on at the uni, which I found out about on the day, and I'm thought, oh well, I guess I'll, I'll miss that. I can't go to that. Yeah, which is a shame because yeah. they've got lots of big rooms that yeah. way, that, and they've done lots of visual art stuff in the past. Yeah, but it probably wasn't well attended because people didn't know about it. It's such a strange setup, I find. I think. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess mansions of the future, you could try one out there, see how it went. Um, I mean, you've got lots of independent artists. So when you say visual art, do you mean experimental stuff with people, with sound and lights? I mean, a bit of everything, essentially. I mean, even in terms of illustration and painting, there's there's small galleries. I know there's like St. Martin's, uh, which is near the Cheese Society. Uh, oh, it is, yeah. Um, and I think there's the Little Red Gallery up top of Steep Hill and whatnot. There's, these, there's smaller galleries... Um, but to me, my thought is always, if you're going to do something open exhibition-wise, you need to do it bigger. It needs to be quite a large space. And yeah. You need to have 50 or so submissions kind of to actually mm-hmm. run it. Because um, I attended one in Scunthorpe, which I've got some work in, which is just in a cafe. But Oh, is it the one that's like an old cinema? 
Um, you go in, they've got a stage, they've yeah. got sofas. I can't yeah, remember. it's called Cafe Indies. That's yeah. it, yeah. It used to be an old co-op. Um, oh, right. Because I'm, I'm originally from Scunthorpe. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a co-op for a while, and it was like a sofa department store. And oh, really? It's one of those buildings which has been through so many things, mm-hmm. but it's such a big space. That yeah, it's, no, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, but they've got like one on the minute, but they've got two floors because mm-hmm. of the separation, so they're able to do it. Whereas in Lincoln, everything building-wise is quite small because we yeah. compacted everything in. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd love to kind of do something painting or like visual video media and that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see yourself having done comedy and, and scripting and stuff, exploring that more, maybe, like down the line? Uh, well, the comedy, yes. Yeah, yeah no, I, felt, I, I, I did enjoy the comedy and I felt comfortable in it. Yeah. Uh, and Paul had said, if you go and do ten open mics uh, and then, you know, maybe go out with them and be like a warm-up act, you yeah. know, do... 10 minutes but you would get on the circuit to probably get him paid a little bit you know yeah. whatever you get five pounds pound, <laughs> i don't know, if, know if comedy is more scary than poetry to perform um because obviously if you if if you perform poetry mm-hmm. you know people sit they're respectful they, li- they listen with comedy if you don't get a laugh <laughs> <laughs> well uh, well the one thing i learned with poetry yeah and when we did go to lots of events out of Lincoln, mm. and you would go to some places, and there might be ten people there, yeah, or even less on some. So you're used to to an empty room, yeah. or you're used to uh, like going to the joiners, and sometimes you have a crowd that's totally not interested. Yeah, you finish a poem, they don't even applaud, and that, and yeah. it's it's like driftwood is suddenly <laughs> coming. <laughs> Tumbleweed, not yeah, driftwood, yeah. tumbleweed. Um, no, I found that when I did the comedy, and I'd been used to doing the comparing and performing poetry in front of a mic, it is a performance yeah. where you get into the zone of what you're doing. So I'd already got the words and everything. Yeah. It's just different from the personal poetry and sharing emotions. Uh, You're you're trying to get a reaction from the audience. So it was finding those things, like I spoke about getting people's attention about the spider and what I'd heard on Mm. the TV and wrote it into the script. I think you become possessed like somebody (laughs) else. Well, Paul said that to me because once I'd done the first few opening lines yeah and people did laugh then you settle back into it yeah and then once i'd built up to the main spider script uh which was probably about four minutes long uh i do a lot of screaming and shouting in it because it is about a phobia yeah and I blame the ladies for the phobia because they're always still on the chair screaming or shouting. So I incorporated and made it like everything in comedy, larger than life. Yeah. So people were chuckling at that or they were nudging somebody. Well, you do that, you know. So it was interesting and... No, I think you you work into what your words are and you've practised it. And you run it over in your head. Because when you're practising in a workshop, it's never the same as it is live on the night. Yeah. Because you get that vibe of an audience. And, I mean, when they had the showcase, it was full. They had 60 people seated. Wow. Because they moved the tables and they did them in rows. And whether whether I was lucky or not, but Paul said to me, you're going on last. And I thought, don't do this to me. (laughs) (laughs) I've been in the workshop with these people. I've seen them. And to me, I thought some of them, you know, really good and whatever. First guy got up and did his bit. And I thought, wow, where did that come from? It really, really good. And then the next few got up and did it and whatever. And then when he... (laughs) <laughs> when the last person was performing their last few minutes, he came up to me and he said, your time to shine, Ronnie Be Good. He called me Ronnie Be Good. So, yeah. And that clicked. Yeah. I said, introduce me as Ronnie Be Good. 
so I've got a stage name as well. <laughs> Fully transformed for this comedy yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's just those little things, yeah. and like you used to, like you are with writing. When you hear a line of something, yeah, you write it down. I, I don't ever know if I can ever use it. But at some point in the future, yeah. it fits in with something that you're doing. I do a lot of that, of, of just making random notes on yeah. things. I think I, I had a chat with a friend, uh, Rob, a while back. And I, the way I described it was, is you're trying to get that 1%. So if mm-hmm. you think of a loading bar of 100%, if you even just start an idea, make a few notes, write yeah. a, a shot, script or paragraph or whatever you're, you're developing that one percent so then you can always go back to it and build on it whereas if you never write it down yeah. it's just gone it's it does just, yeah it's just lost yeah no you, you must capture that thing when you hear it could be something you read in a book you hear yeah. it on the radio or the tv but it, it's got something about it that is inspiring that you want to form something around it you yeah know? And I guess that's the same with comedy, but you've got to be... It's it's more observational because you're looking at the funny things that people not only say, yeah. but what they do in their actions. I think, I don't know, from writing comedy in the past, I find that you find you think a lot more about your audience than you would in any other format mm-hmm. because you're thinking how they might react mm-hmm. and you have to test it in a way. Yeah. You kind of you're gonna have to run through it, you're gonna have to go yeah. through it, whereas with like drama or whatnot, you yeah. you've just got a story to tell. Yeah. As long as that story's clear, mm-hmm. you, you you're good. Well this is why open mic nights are useful for especially comedians. Yeah. Because before they do take any new material to a, a paid event or whatever, yeah. you can try it out there. I know Paul comes along, he has a piece of paper like that, and he's ticking them off. Oh, that one didn't work so well. <laughs> that, we'll get rid of that one. <laughs> we'll get rid of that one and whatever. And, uh, yeah, no, it just works. But I don't know. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, it's sometimes words stop you in the track. Yeah. Like, the TV one, which I incorporated for the funny bit, vaginal dryness, as if people haven't heard it enough time on this interview. But just little words. I'll give you an example. I've got... Go for it. I'll just have to go into my phone. That's so, fine. Uh, and I haven't got it fingerprinted. I should do. Oh, I can't. I never deal with the thing. I've got I'll the fingerprint on my car. iPad. Yeah. And it annoys me. Yeah. I feel like it has part of my personality because it's <laughs> got my fingerprint. Yeah. Um, just go through this. Uh, this is a bit boring. I should have thought about this beforehand. Oh, and, there's no uh, such thing as boring on this stuff down. <laughs> But I have got a new piece which I have started. Right. Uh, and the, the thing that I heard... Uh, was people talking about when you're out on a romantic evening, particularly in the summer, late summer night, and they use the words bathing in starlight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I thought, that's great, I'd like to use that. So then I jotted it down, and then I incorporated it. I can give you where I've got up to now. It's not completed, but it goes, here we are bathing in starlight. Our eyes meeting as if it's the first time. Seeing you in this mystical light, it all seems so different now. We've kissed a thousand times with our eyes before it reached our lips. You and me holding each other, feeling loved in a warm embrace. A kiss seals us for a moment in time. It was not into ears we whispered, but into our hearts. It was not lips we kissed, we kissed souls. That's very nice. You know, so, and that's kind of loosely based on the fact you can have a friendship with somebody mm. uh, and uh, of the opposite sex and go out with them a lot yeah. and you just like buddies, yeah. but then there is that time when you see them in a different light if you like yeah yeah and suddenly you think more about it yeah yeah Yeah. i I think i think one of the main comments i got from last time you were on 
yeah. was a, about essentially that you're very open as a person. Yeah. You know, you're very willing to share and, and kind of thing. And I find with your poetry, you write a lot about, um, not say like emotional things, but mm-hmm. romantic ideas. <laughs> <laughs> right. That goes back to uh, probably when I was younger. And you know when they had the Sunday afternoon films and yeah, they'd yeah, have yeah. a lot of romantic films on. Errol Flynn was one of my favourites. Yeah. Even though he was a superb action hero, there was always the romance yeah. in it. And I got drawn into that and then as I got older, I then developed a thing about romance in that way but linked with time travel. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the movie Somewhere in Time. Oh, yeah, I've heard somewhere in time. Yeah, yeah. It, it was um, uh, with Christopher Reeve, mm-hmm. and um, it, it was an amazing movie. It just struck me. Yeah. And this guy had fallen in love with somebody who had met at a party. She was an old woman then, mm-hmm. and she just comes into the party. He's trying to promote some new work. And she has this fob watch and opens it up, puts it in his hand and says, come back to me. Okay. That's near the beginning. And it draws you into the story. And then he he gets writer's block and then he goes to take a break, goes to this hotel. And in the foyer of the hotel is a picture of this same woman, but when she was younger. Okay. And he has this feeling that he's met her before. And then he, with one... Uh, uh, the staff there that's worked there many years he asked for the old ledgers of when she was there yeah. and then he sees his signature in the ledger so it's all about going back in time and then yeah. more recent ones the movie about time I don't know if you've well, seen that one no, no. it's from about probably four or five years ago yeah. British movie uh, I think Richard Curtis uh, wrote the script to it Great talented writer who's yeah. done so much, but it, it, it had English actors in it that I don't know. But the premise of that one again was about the male members of family when they reached a certain age could go back in time. I think I remember yeah, a trailer. You, you, you stand yeah. in a dark closet, yes, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was so well written, so yeah. funny, but it was so romantic, yeah. And I think we all have that romantic element in us where you dream of the perfect scenario or the love of your life turning up i find i find it interesting in a way i find your your work kind of unique in that sense um Mm -hmm. i think especially because people at least my generation or lower the whole idea of romanticism kind of comes a bit cliche for for our, Mm -hmm. our kind of time um, so when you see someone who's still genuinely doing it and enjoying yeah. writing that kind of work and doing that kind of work, it, it's it's fascinating. It's great because you're kind of seeing it like, oh yeah, there is that. There is romance still <laughs> in the yeah, world. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it doesn't cost anything yeah. if you're out with a partner um, and you open a door or you meet somebody. Now. And I mean, I've heard people say that you know, when you open the door for somebody nowadays, they think you're a bit of a strange person, you know. I hold doors to, for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> so well, I think you should. Yeah, I think you should, <laughs> you know. And, and I don't know, it's just those little things. Yeah. But it's that connection that you do have with some people you meet. Uh, and I know the particular piece that I wrote there I'm working on and the friend it's connected to... Mm-hmm. I know there was that moment when we both had that glint in our eye and thought the same thing, you know. I think that's always interesting as well when you you see someone read a piece or hear a piece or you see artwork of any kind, you always know in the back of your mind that it relates to someone in reality. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the artist has put something forward, so obviously it's them, but they're writing about someone or something and you, you can always tell in a way you can always tell whether it's good or bad because you're like oh are they making this up or are they just trying to imagine that feeling or yeah. whether they've actually had that mm-hmm. connection to someone and, and kind of thing and i think i think audiences respond to that i think you can usually tell well yeah well i mean as you know we're doing a lot of writing and when i first started doing writing i did it i mean i did it for myself many years ago yeah uh 
but it wasn't till I joined the writers group. And then in, people said, write what you know about. Yeah. Because then I guess those feelings come out on the page you and get, people relate to it. I think you get a lot more, I don't know if, if the work's better, but a lot honest work usually, mm-hmm. you can usually tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people, authors and that, are very good at yeah. doing it as a third person thing, but we're all different and probably you're the same as me. You can only write from your own experience. Yeah. You put a little bit of yourself into everything, everything yeah. you make. Yeah. So in the the next year or so, what, have you got anything coming up? Anything going on? Uh, well, <clears throat> I've got Uncaged in uh, October. Mm-hmm. Uh, the special guest there is a girl from Nottingham mm-hmm. uh, called Marita Robinson. She often comes and busts in Lincoln. She also sings professionally. And she sounds... Like Tracy Chapman. She's amazing. Yeah, she's going to do 30 minutes. So if you want to catch a really top singer from Nottingham. And then in December, again, at Uncaged, I don't know if you've heard of a a local singer called George Shelley. I have, yeah, I've heard of George Shelley. Yeah, I first saw him earlier this year at the Curiosity Shop. Yep. I mean, he's only 19 now. Very talented, but what's Young people? <laughs> but what struck me about him was the fact that he was a solo performer. Yeah. But he he got this presence about him, and he was doing stuff by Stereophonics and Radiohead, and people started singing along, not just with one song, but yeah. with either the chorus or whatever in all songs, and. At the end of it, I thought, wow, if one person can do that. So I thought, well, Christmas, it's going to be party time. Yeah. If we can get some of his followers come along and they start doing stuff like that, yeah. it'd be great for a party atmosphere. Once again, building you know? that community as you do. Uh, but the other <laughs> event I mentioned, which I didn't mention the name of, mm-hmm. uh, that is something for next year. Something for next year. You know, I mean, at the moment, uh, I'm concentrating... With, with the fact that my wife's in a care home. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, it's not the same person anymore. It's not her fault. But she's had lots of things go off. And, again, when I was talking to somebody about that, they said, well, that's loyalty. Yeah. I thought, well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, it's not her fault what she's got. Yeah. We've had great happens, times yeah. and everything like that. And she's had mini stroke and lots of things, so that changes people. And yeah. you know, but and then when you see them, particularly when they lose a bit of weight and they become quite ill, mm-hmm. and you see somebody in that fragile state, and it's also like they're in a fetal position. Yeah, you know, you you can't help but feel sadness. Yeah, you know, it it, it, it is feeling sad. But I think I I coped with that because I do mindfulness and yeah. things like that, <clears throat> and got involved with the law of attraction, or as I like to call it now, because I read a book by Dr. Wayne Dwyer. Dyer. Uh, he calls it the power of intention. He doesn't like it being the law of attraction, and because a lot of other books have been written about it Mm. and when you read them it's all about i want this i want that okay yeah and he says it's it doesn't work like that with the power of intention or equals law of attraction it is the same principle of where you put out energy Mm. but you're just doing it in a in a natural way uh because see he classed where the ego wants to, I want a new car on the driveway, I want this. Yeah. That That is more like motivation. Okay. And when you've got motivation, you've got that goal, you go for it until you've got it. Yeah. With the power of intention, it's about having this flow. Uh, because he talks about, whether you call it a god or a spiritual being or whatever, the source mm-hmm. and everything comes and goes back to the source, which has been universal since the beginning of time. And 
as we know, with Nikola Tesla and when he talked about energy waves and, mm-hmm. and the great ideas he came up, the idea with that is that energy is all around us. And so if we build up our own energy levels, if you give out bad energy or really sad energy, then that will come back to you. All okay. the, so if you do things to... Um, be happy with people. Just put out good vibes. Because yeah. you know when you've been to a party, like attracts like. Yeah. You know, you don't want to mix with the yeah. grumpy people and you ask them how they are and they tell you their whole life story about when they were in hospital and everything else. You mix with the other people. So yeah. it's about naturally using the power of your mind, but just thinking of what you want in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it talks about kindness and love when you meet people, because that's all energy that you're putting out there, mm-hmm. and um, doing things without expecting anything back, Yeah, whether it's for a friend or giving stuff away. or I mean, I chuck two peas and five peas in a big bowl, yeah. and when I go into town, I put them in my back pocket and if I'm out and I've seen somebody on the street regular that you know mm. I just give them that mm. you know and and the one uh, not I think it was yesterday yeah oh, you know the bridge uh, pathway that connects to the um, Royal William oh yeah, yeah, yeah going on the, there and I'd seen this guy times uh, before and walked by, and this time I looked at him, and he looked up, but he never said, can you spare a copper? He just smiled. Yeah. So I dug in my pocket, put that down in his hand. I said, it's not much. He said, every penny counts. Yeah. You know, so it makes you feel good. I can't do much more for them, but no. if if that made his day a little bit brighter... And and again there, when you're lifting people's own energy levels, because we've got serotonin, yeah, and yeah. that creates good chemicals. So it made me feel good. It made him feel good that somebody had done something in a small way. So I mean, like the power of attention, uh, intention. <laughs> it's a it's a very in depth subject to get yeah. on. Some people <laughs> think it's a load of crap, but I've had lots of things go off and good things yeah. that have happened and you're trying to create that flow all it's like a continuous flow yeah. so you try and get yourself out of the bad vibes and everything yeah. and we all have depression in our lives and like the guy who wrote the book he'd been an alcoholic and whatever mm-hmm. but again he meditated and did things like that and then uh, he started studying some of the world's religions Mm. uh, which didn't really suit him there were good things in all of it but the one book he came across where it was written over two two thousand five hundred years ago Mm. and it's by Lao Tzu okay it's called the Tao Chi Ching which is some people know about it Uh, it's got 81 verses in it I think Mm. um it's not meant to preach about a god or anything like that. Uh, translated, it, it means the book of the way. Okay. And he he predates uh, Confucius. Uh, and it was meant to teach anybody, people, governments, how to deal with life and how to do things. Yeah. And he talks about virtue and being virtuous. If I can read another small yeah, bit here. It's an example, I think it's from uh, verse 51 in there. But And it, and this was written, as I say, uh, 2,500 years ago. It's been, obviously, translated, cause yeah. when you tra- but you translate yeah. it as close as you can. Yeah. Uh, I just have to do this. Go on to mobile data. Because I saved it, you know. You uh, uh, you can down you can get the audio book. It's on um, uh, YouTube. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. The, there's lots of different ones uh, doing it. I know a little bit about Lao Tzu and yeah. kind of the, the Eastern teachings. 
and because right. I, I did a lot of um, reading into like Nietzsche and Sartre oh, right. and all those yeah. kinds of things so I, there's bits but I never, never really hear words yeah. well anyway I'll not go into a, a lot of it I've covered a I mean, that's a subject on its own yeah. that you could uh, that's next go for next into year. <laughs> for next year. <laughs> we'll have a year, philosophy yeah. one next year. Um, yeah, it's it's all about allowing things and just being and embracing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you have to do is to to be free and allow yourself to be in this consciousness, as they call it. Yeah. And I'll just find the particular one that I'm looking for. Um, and we're getting there silence is not good on the radio yeah I've, I've found it now uh, yeah it is uh, It is not uh, verse 51 in the Tao Te Ching okay. and Lao Tzu said those who want to know the truth of the universe should practice the four cardinal virtues the first one is reverence for all life This manifests as unconditional love and respect for oneself and all other beings. The second is natural sincerity. This manifests as honesty, simplicity and faithfulness. The third is gentleness, which manifests as kindness, consideration for others and sensitivity to spiritual truth. The fourth is supportiveness. This manifests itself as service to others without expectation of reward. That's some very nice sentiments. You know, and, and the the reason I got into that book, I'd, I'd, I'd read it, and it's one of those, as probably you found, you have to keep going back yeah, because yeah. it's quite deep. You read it a few times. But then Dr. Wayne Dyer, a number of years ago, and I came across his book, wrote this book, uh, and I was going through depression at the time. It was called Change Your Thoughts, Mm -hmm. Change Your Life. And what he'd done was he'd studied this book for a whole year, and he'd tried to then... He would give the original verses in in order, you know, uh, but then when he'd done verse one, he would put a modern day, how it applies to modern life. Okay, yeah. And that is the way it led up into the book until he got through all, all 81 verses yeah, I think that's great I mean like as you say I mean, some people kind of look at um, exploration of kind of spirituality or, or mental health and, and mm-hmm. all these kinds of things as, as things to just kind of throw away and, and, and whatnot I'm I know personally I'm I'm very logical I don't yeah. kind of get into that thing but I'll never mm-hmm. put down or question anyone who uses it because it, it's a way of them living their life and it makes them yeah. happy then fantastic that's how people kind of get through life yeah. and i think from the things you do you can see that mindfulness of what you're doing in everything you do you know mm-hmm. your events and you're getting yeah. to know people and whatnot and i think yeah you know, you'll well, only continue to grow <laughs> <laughs> well it's point. all about finding inner peace for yourself yeah. and then when you meet in other people is is put out just those nice vibes and if people feel good around you. And I always tell a lot of my friends if they feel stressed out, I know what some of them think, but that is probably because they're in not a good state at the moment and so you're rejecting stuff. Mm -hmm. But like I told them when I got to the depths of despair one time, it was something that pulled me out of it. But there is a phrase that I use and I pass on to anybody. If you get stressed out in any situation, you don't have to speak it out loud, say it in your head, but repeat it over and over, but calmly. And and then try and do the action. So it's like, breathe in calm, Mm -hmm. breathe out chaos. Breathe in calm, breathe out chaos. And if you do that as like a mantra... Yep. When you're in a stressful situation, maybe in the car. I was stuck on Sunday in the that horrendous traffic. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing what it does for you, and it yeah. just brings you Gives down. You that and, yeah, level. But that's what the book of Lao Tzu does. Yeah. It's not about any god or anything. He's talking about the world as an energy, and we can tap into that source. Mm-hmm and create our own energy 
and then when we meet other people, they feel pick it up and pass it on. You know, so. I think that's a very nice point to round out to you. Okay. Yeah, I think it's good. I think we, we discussed. I mean, we've discussed so many things today. Yeah. You know, discussed audience and comedy and yeah, how you get through work and, and life. It's been wonderful to have you. It's been fantastic to see you again. Thank you. I mean, I'm sure I'll see you at many events in the future. As I, it seems to be whenever I turn up somewhere, I was like, oh, there's Ron. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 did, I did. I did have one friend, Frankie Barton. I don't know if you know him. He, he always puts on Facebook when he sees lots of stuff and I'm in different places that I'm omnipresent. You should have a, a Ron watch where people can just tag yeah. you. <laughs> I've seen Ron. I've seen yeah. <laughs> well, I know lots of people like Martin yeah. Laverick and things like that. Yeah. And he's always posting pictures <laughs> of us. So. Well, thank you, Ron. I'm sure we'll have you back. You're welcome. It's point. a pleasure. I'll have to come again. And we'll talk to you guys later. There we go.